episode 373, Moon Knight, season 1, episodes 3 and 4, The Friendly Type, and The Tomb. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here with my friend Samantha. Samantha, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Just great. Stuart's not here, but might drop in and can drop in because of the software we're using. (laughs) So he might just pop in and we'll have to bring him up to speed, but... He's not here right now, and the software we're using is, it's great, it's called Riverside, and we're able to use this software because of the generous help of our Patreon patrons. If you go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven, you can become a patron and you can even hear unedited, raw, uh, (laughs) that makes this sound a lot worse than it actually is. It's not like an Eddie Murphy uh, comedy special movie. Uh, It's not that kind of raw, but it does have like some of our bloopers and some of the things when we stumble over ourselves or each other and it's not edited together as cleanly as, as Samantha has been editing things together because it's just the the stuff right after it's done, it gets posted almost immediately to our Patreon page and you can get the RSS feed and listen to it wherever you want to. But anyway, I wasn't planning on doing that spiel, but I am because we're using Riverside and it's great. And Stuart can pop in anytime he wants, unlike with Skype. And it records in a different way to make for better recordings. And yeah, I'm not getting paid to sponsor, or I'm not getting sponsored by Riverside, but I am certainly going to sing its praises. It's made things a lot easier for us. You are ironically paying to use the service. Right, right. And, And so half of that... Uh, money for this service came from our, our Welcome to Level 7 Patreon patrons, and the other half came from other sources. <laughs> Me. But anyway, it's time to move on. It's time to talk about two episodes. Why two episodes? Because episode three dropped just before Easter weekend, and those of you who know my profession know that I am a children's pastor, and the Easter weekend is a big weekend for us. weren't able to get to it then. And so we're finally getting around to it. And rather than doing two episodes and trying to space things out, I just thought it'd be easiest for us to just talk about two episodes in one and put it out as one episode. And then that gets us on track right away, much easier. So that's what we are doing. We're here to talk about the friendly type and the tomb. So uh, we should probably start with the friendly type. Because chronologically, that comes first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this episode, I subtitled Politics of the Gods. <laughs> because, yeah, there's some really interesting stuff about the gods going on here. I mean, we're going to have to talk about it. 
the gods, they have a problem. And their problem is they were around on Earth for a very long time before the Battle of New York. But no one really talked about them and they didn't really do much. And so we have another set of long lived, super powerful beings who have chosen to stay out of humanity's business. That sounds so familiar. I'm just trying to scratch my brain where we have heard that before. <laughs> I feel like we've seen that before recently <laughs> in, in some form of cinematic entertainment. But yeah, the, it's the Eternals problem, you know? Yeah. And I'm not sure how I feel about it doing that. They can set things up as like, this they've been around for a long time, but then as soon as you have something happen like the Battle of New York or, you know, the Infinity War, they're probably, you know, should be doing something about it. And and they and they weren't. And you know, it, it, I guess it's one thing for them to say, Hey, we're not even humans. Earth isn't ours. Let's get out of here. Like like it reminds me of uh, Who Mourns for Adonis, I think, is the Star Trek episode where they find Apollo on a faraway planet. He left Earth because people stopped worshiping him and stopped worshiping the Greek gods oh, and the Greek gods yeah, continued on. And, and But Apollo stayed on that planet. And here you have a similar situation, but then you do have them drop that, that little line about, we have chosen to stay out of the affairs of, of man. For ages, just like that other group of people called the Eternals, we followed their lead. And even the the Norse gods, Odin, and like his everybody from uh, Valhalla, sort of did the same thing. They did. I think the thing that makes it a little bit different is that it was it was set up as they were world world building. True. You know, and so to me, that makes a little bit more sense. I mean, before the big giant things even happen that they should get involved in, we find out, you know, they they were getting involved in some things and the big giant stuff happens and, and Thor is there, you know, and when when Infinity War happens, I mean, they've already had some some bad stuff happen to to cause them to maybe sit things out, but also, with Infinity War, it happened so quickly that people really didn't have time to converge on it. True. Plus, Odin had taken on being the the guardian of one of the realms. So I think it would he would have seen it as his duty to pop in on Earth every once in a while. and then. But he also had to be in charge of other things as well. Yeah. Yeah. So with the with the Norse gods, it's a little bit different for me. The thing is, we're going to talk about in post credit the teaser trailer for Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, you get to see briefly Zeus. So the Greek gods have also been been around for a long time, and so we'll see we'll see what happens with that. But. I love to compare the Greek gods with the Norse gods, but we can talk about that later or some other day. <laughs> Yeah, but we got a thing happening here, though, where the these gods, they don't want to be involved, but Kanchu does. Like, that's the one thing. Like, as much as Kanchu is kind of a jerk, 
he's actually really trying to help. Yeah. He's actually doing something about it. So, okay. So let's start at the beginning of the episode. We got Layla in Egypt and she has a past and a passport is what I wrote in my notes. So she's going to go back to Egypt and the person who's helping her or who's there with her as she's making a forged passport is telling her, stay away from your usual haunts. Don't go into the normal places. People are going to want to hurt you. It's dangerous for you to go there. You shouldn't do it, but she's doing it anyway. And, you know, it's nice to have a past and some mystery and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious what's going on with Layla. Yeah. And there she is munching on some sort of mystery treat. I think it's homemade marshmallow, and Ben thinks that it's it's bubblegum. Well, <laughs> I, I I was thinking about the end of episode four when you asked about that. Ah, well, it's it's the so, same thing. It's the same kind of treat. Yeah, but at the end of episode four, I didn't realize it was the same thing. First of all, so nice nice notice. But <laughs> it made more sense for her to have gum in episode four at the end than it does for her in this scene here, where yeah, that clearly doesn't make sense for her to pull out gum so from there we move over to mark and steve and possibly a third so this is i I wrote in my notes that this episode is i mean the the body that mark and steve have is just getting passed around back and forth between three or four different people now hear me out later kanshu actually takes possession of the body so that's that makes for three people, two altars, and one who doesn't belong, and that's Kanchu. But in this scene right here, Mark is chasing some people, trying to get information about where Haro is and where that tomb of Amit is. He keeps blacking out and then waking up, and it's you know Steve is not not doing a great job. Steve is not doing a great job fighting, but he is like letting them get away and things like that. And as he's fighting them, he blacks out. Then he wakes up again and he has killed them. And I, at this point was thinking, and it does get, uh, I think confirmed at the end of episode four, there's a third, at least a third altar in there with them who has been coming out every once in a while. And here's one of those spots where neither of them know what happened when he has this bloody knife and the guy's been stabbed, you know, like it's, it's, I think there's a third going, uh, taking control when a little bit of the old, uh, ultra violence is, is warranted. And I, I will admit I have been reading this character's profile on marvel.com and yeah, there was a third personality. I don't think there's, any- there's actually four. There's four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Four that I'm aware of, uh, just from like reading around. So. Not including um, a Kanchu? No, not including okay. Kanchu. Not including Kanchu. So again, you have an episode that rests not exclusively, but almost exclusively on on Poe Dameron. Like <laughs> Oscar Isaac, man, he is doing the heavy, heavy lifting and doing a great job. They didn't have, I mean, they saved a lot of budget money by just saying, okay, Oscar Isaac, (laughs) we want you to uh, sound like Khonshu. (laughs) And (laughs) so, 
And he's having yeah, because he's having trouble controlling the volume of his voice. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was well, kind of funny though, because at first I was like, "That is this kind of sounds a little dumb." But then you think about it. You know, it's being used by someone who's not used to using a body with air and a throat and and you know speaking the language. You know, Kanchu is a giant bird skull thing. Yeah. So when he's talking, he's not using muscles. He's not, you know, using breath and air. And so. It's kind of like when you you hand someone a microphone and they're not accustomed to using that microphone. And then they put the microphone right up to their mouth. I mean, they're almost swallowing the thing. And then they start talking. And then they start not just talking, but like talking loud. Yeah. It's like, no, the microphone's doing the job. You don't have to talk (laughs) super loud to be heard in the back of the room. Because you got a microphone. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's how I viewed what Khonshu was doing in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they, so the reason they go to that moment is because Khonshu is going to seek an audience with the gods. And how does he seek an audience with the gods? By, uh, and this is where I, I couldn't tell, is he, was he literally moving the moon? Yes. he. Cre- or he- was this an illusion of some sort, but... There were other. He moved the moon. There were other characters that were not involved in this whole thing that noticed. So yes, he moved the moon and created a solar eclipse. Which, interesting enough, Kanshu is based on the Egyptian god Kansu, who is one of the eyes of Horus. The other eye is Ra, which is also represented by the sun. But going also into the Egyptian gods, Ra, Osiris, Horus, they're sort of like the same god figure, but they're sort of not. It's very confusing. But I did I did find out that Kansu is the moon, Ra is the sun, and together they make up the eyes of Horus. So he moves the moon in front of the sun, and that gets the other gods' attention. And so... There's some neat stuff here. I this is the world building is happening here. You know, they they create a portal that they're able to walk through. As they walk through, they are actually in uh I think it's the pyramid of Cheops. I can't remember which pyramid it is now. But I can't remember either. It's okay. Yeah. But they're in this legit pyramid and Steve is geeking out. Steven's geeking out. I keep calling him Steve because that's my <laughs> my friend Steve from uh Strangers and Aliens, but at least it's not um, Scott. <laughs> Steve is geek Steven is geeking out and he loves it that he gets to be there. But here's where we find we see the relationships. You know, you've got these other members of the Aeneid, and they all have their own avatars who have come in from different places. They all use their avatar to speak. And Kanchu gains his audience. And he accuses Haro and these, these Egyptians gods are idiots. Like I'm, I'm listening. I'm just, I'm getting frustrated because they are so dense. They are so just, they are not listening. They do not care to listen. They, they don't care what he's saying. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't care how much you hate this guy. If he, 
as serious as the situation could be, if he's not lying, you should at least listen to it and investigate maybe just a little bit, maybe. But instead they bring the accused in and they ask, it's like uh, they bring, you know, bringing a murderer into trial and they're like, hey, did you kill this guy? No. Okay. You can go now. Pretty much. And it's because they're disinterested in, in what's going on with the human race. That and they don't like Kanchu. They don't like Kanchu. But if you notice, he was just banished where Amit was entombed in an, in an Usabi or Ushabti. I did write it down here. Ushabti. <laughs> and... So I feel like there's like levels of punishments that they can put on these other two banished god figures. Notice that there were seven in there and there were also two gods that were banished, just like on the poster in episode one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. But I, I, again, I mean, I don't have to convince you and they're fictional characters. I'm never going to convince them. Right. But I just feel like... This is pretty serious. If this guy is really going after Emmett, maybe just just listen a little bit. Just listen a little bit. Investigate a little bit, you know? And then if it's wrong, then punish Kanchu. You know? Yeah. I I I mean, <laughs> I know I know how uh Kanchu and Mark feel because let's just say frequently I I would like as a kid you know, I had bullies and say one would pull my hair. Well, I do what I was told by my parents. Go to the teacher. Go complain to the teacher. Say, the bully pulled my hair. And then the teacher brings in the bully and says, did you pull her hair? No. Okay, Samantha, just go and play. What? Uh, he pulled my hair. <laughs> you must be misunderstood. You misunderstood what he was doing. That's what happened. Yeah. I know. He misunderstood that girls liked that. <laughs> No, but it's just, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> they definitely, you know, set up uh, these characters as, I, I guess the other thing is they are gods, quote unquote, you know, and they're above, I guess, anything that, that humanity cares about. But but Haro comes and he's he's like, oh, it was horrible. He was horrible to me. And Kanchu may have been horrible to, Har- to Haru. He's not a good person. Kanchu is not. But it sounds like Amit was worse if Amit was, you know, locked in whatever the little prison figure is, which we find out in episode four. That's that's a problem. Yeah. So Kanshu is a bad person who does the right thing. I guess that's one way you could look at it. Yeah. Or he's just a grumpy old man who does the right thing and no one is listening to him. A grumpy jerk. Yep. It's probably closer to a bad guy. Yeah, just a grumpy jerk. Um, oh. Yeah. So they all leave, but one of them comes back. I can't remember her name. I didn't write it in my notes, and I should have. But she comes back and tells Mark, there is another way. There's another way for you to find Amit's tomb. And that is that this guy has a casket and the casket has a location. And so this is kind of making me, I'm I'm getting the, I'm getting the James Bond vibe from this 
where you're kind of getting the scenery, you're getting local scenery, but they're on mission. And so they have these different quests they have to do to finish, to, to do this mission well. The scenery is Egypt, you know, and I don't know how much you followed any of the the controversy that the, I can't remember who it is from this show, but one of the directors or showrunner was throwing, what is it that the kids say these days, throwing shade at Black Adam and Wonder Woman because they didn't actually go to Egypt, uh. but he did. And some of what he was saying kind of made sense. Some of it, I was just like, wait a minute. Wonder Woman 1984 takes place in 1984. So even if they wanted to, they couldn't like go to the place that they are actually, the, the show is taking place and the movie's taking place in because it's from 40 years ago. <laughs> but the Black Adam thing, Black Adam takes place in a fictional country that is similar to Egypt. And so he's like, we actually went there. We went there and we have actual Egyptian people on our, our crew, which I wish he'd just gone led with that. Just, you know, we, we're not just appropriating Egypt for our adventure story, like a James Bond or a Indiana Jones. We have people on our cast and crew and we're taking it seriously. And yeah, because honestly doing the fictional country thing, that's a cheat. That's a way out. And if you ask me, it works because you can, you know, have characters from that country do bad things, but you're not saying that all people from a real country are bad, but people from this tiny country over there near the real country and the real country has good people in it, but this tiny country over there, it's not great. It's not great. And so that's why you have Latveria in Europe that Dr. Doom is the emperor of. Or Wakanda. Or Wakanda. Yeah. The other opportunity you get from that is you get to build your own culture and you, you, you get to build these your these worlds that are original. And you don't have, And you get to build your own history. Yeah, yeah. And you get to build their yeah. own history and you don't you're not forced to be married to a particular history and a particular culture. But if you use the real country like they are here, yeah. the benefit is you can rest on existing knowledge and you can have the iconography of the Egyptian traditions and mythology and all of that. And you can use that and you have a very quick entry point for your viewer. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate what he's doing and what they have done. And I, I, I do, don't get me wrong. I just feel like the whole like, yeah, we did this better than you. Yeah, I mean, who <laughs> really like, needs yeah, that? Yeah, you didn't need to go there, no. but okay. No. I always feel like, you know, if you're going to do something like that, don't take the time to like throw someone else under the bus. Go ahead and just talk about what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and but that's not that's not today. That's not today's culture. Today's culture is all about us versus them and I got to stop because I'm going to get on a soapbox if I don't stop. So. Yes. So. And let's talk about how they do find the tomb. They go to this guy. His name's Mogart. Mogart. Uh, played by Gaspard Uliel, who unfortunately passed away after they concluded the the shooting of this, this series. 
And I don't know if he's going to show up again in the uh, in in Moon Knight season one, but unfortunately, he won't yeah, be around he, for season two if there is going to be one. Right, yeah. right. So I don't know if if we're going to see any more of him. But um, he was in a skiing accident and just kind of a freak thing that you just, I mean, no one expects anything like that you ever. But yeah, but he's great in this scene here. Oh yes, and his character is actually a character from the comics called Midnight Man. And Midnight Man is uh, an enemy of Moon Knight. Ah, so. Mm. So I, I I don't know if they again don't know if that's happening in this season or if that's going to be something in the future or that's what something they had planned for the future, but that's the tie-in there. So and it, it sounds like Moon Knight Man is an important character in this corner of the MCU. Like maybe sort of like the the Joker to Moon Knight's Batman, so to speak. Yeah, he's a pretty important antagonist. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Then that means Feige is going to have to figure out, okay, do I go ahead and replace him just because – replace the actor just because the actor has unfortunately passed away? Or or do we just bring in a whole new character? Yeah, I, I mean, Moon Knight does have a long history, and he's not one like Spider-Man or X-Men – where they had like for years and years and years, multiple titles every month. So you have web of Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man, amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man four comics running, you know, concurrent or whatever and X-Men and uncanny X-Men. And it's not, it's not like that for moon Knight, but he does have years and years and years of history. So I, you know, they should be able to find something from, from his comic book background, but I hope so. But I feel like there have been actors who have been replaced in the MCU before. The actors who have played the Hulk come to mind first. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and And Rhodey. But that's because of, you know, issues with the actors. You know, just maybe like contract issues or personality issues or whatever. But I feel like when it comes to an actor passing away early, I feel like they need to somehow honor it. It's Chadwick Boseman who they aren't going to recast him, yeah. you know? And so I, that's why I think they're probably not going to recast him partially because they don't need to. And, and partially because, you know, we're going to honor this actor and, and the job that he yeah. did here. So, yeah. So I feel like that's, that's the honorable thing to do when an actor passes away like this. So Layla and Mark, they come in, and they go to this place where they're practicing. I don't even know what they, they called that, but the whole thing with the horses and the horses uh, riders have spears and everything. And uh, but this guy's a collector of antiquities. And so they go in to look at this, this casket and Mark can't make heads or tails out of any of that stuff. And our Steven has to come. Steven takes control. Steven recognizes from this cloth there's a code here. If you fold it in this right way, when you fold it, you can see constellations. But then Haro comes because Haro finds out that this is where they went and he's going to make sure that they don't find him. And so there's a big battle and you get some cool visuals. Like when 
Moon Knight jumps in the air and you see a crescent moon. His cape becomes this crescent moon behind him. Really cool visuals. But I feel like there's so the the, the visual effects is middling. It's not great. And it, it just this is where the budget is showing. Yeah. Like like Oscar Isaac doing conshoes. <laughs> like I don't know how to use a human body, so I gotta talk like this the whole time. <laughs> That's budget cutting but character-based and kind of cool, or at least it works. I thought it was cool, but this, I feel like eh, it's okay. There's some cool visuals, but the effects as they're doing battle stuff doesn't, doesn't feel good yeah. to me. Yeah. But I mean, there's that entire, you know, the Cape flares out into a crescent shape and I can see why he's considered the Batman of this universe. Well, and he's, doing the vigilante superhero thing far more than, than anyone else, except for maybe Spider-Man. Yeah. Like Iron Man is this flashy hero for sure, but he's not in the shadows. He's not, you know, fighting bad guys like that. This, this is, this feels like a Batman fight. Yeah. Except he's got Conchu's powers. And so he's not going to fall when he's stabbed through with giant spears and he has DID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. where Batman has just, you know, ongoing issues with grief. <laughs> yeah. What, what Mark and Steven have, it's so much more complex. <laughs> yeah. So they take the map, they are able to get away with the map and they realize, and I love this little detail. The map is based on the constellations from the time when it was made. And that's a little detail that I've always loved is that, you know, a, a few thousand years ago, the world was in a different place and the stars were in different places. And I've always felt like that's a missed detail in time travel. Because if you were to take a time machine and disappear in the present and reappear in that same location in the past, the earth wouldn't be there. Right. Even if you not even take into account just the rotation around the sun, but the sun and the solar system itself are moving. So the further back you go, the further away you are from the orbit of the earth. Mm. And that's something that no one that I'm aware of has done anything with in a time travel story. And I don't have a good story to go with it yet. So that's why I haven't used it myself yet. But I'm wondering if Doctor um, Who has done something like that before. I don't know. Space-based time travel, like like Star Trek, where you're doing you know, tra- time traveling in a spaceship, that's much less of a problem. But the DeLorean, yeah. I mean, there's a problem there. Even... Even H.G. Uh, Wells' time machine, although H.G. Wells' time machine stayed in the location where it was because he could watch time move around him. Yeah. And actually, that reminds me of what they were doing here with the stars a little bit. Some of the visuals I've seen in, in H.G. Wells' uh, adaptations. Yeah. Yeah. I agree because in my head, the only way that, that you can accomplish being on Earth and time traveling is if you can somehow lock into a very specific object or location on Earth. Yeah, yeah. If you're able to say, I'm, you know, 
and and th- they don't have to say this. I'm still going to watch the shows and still love yeah. it, you know, but someone just giving lip service to we have anchored ourselves to the matter of the ground that we are on right now or something like that would be that'd be enough, you know. But even that's not needed. Well, yeah, and yeah, and also, you know, the layers of the earth um that there's also always more and more layers being added. Also from HG Wells where he can see like like things changing around him and, and water coming up and going away. And HG Wells time machine is so it holds up surprisingly well. I was amazed when I read it. The, Cause I read it when I was a kid and it might not have even been the actual version. Like it might've been like the, the kids, a, a, a bridge version of it, but that book holds up and yeah, it's, I was I was surprised how well it held up when I read it as an adult. I haven't read it, so I might go ahead and I have Libby now, uh, the Libby app, which is and yeah, and it might be in there in an audiobook. So I'm I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately. Yeah, so here's another app that we're not being sponsored by, yeah. but Libby has a ton of great audiobooks. Yeah, and you can also it's audiobooks that your local libraries have access to. And yeah, but yeah. hopefully your library has access to like a, a network of libraries because like yeah, my my Libby is tied into like Indiana libraries, not just the one that I have, but Indiana network, and so many books. I'll be like, should I should I buy this on Audible? I'll check the library first. And then it's like, nope, I do not have to spend any money on Audible on this one. So, and if we were a real podcast, you know, like a, a big old giant real podcast, this is where we'd be like, oh, you can go to our Audible affiliate link, which we have one actually, now that I mention it for Strangers and Aliens. Ah, but. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> if anyone out there is has no idea what I'm talking about, it's an app you can uh, have access to through your local library. All you need is just the library card. And like I said, it's wonderful. You can read. Yeah. Yeah. So many books. Listen to so many books. Yeah. Like like in the past few days, I went through all of Carrie Fisher's three autobiographies. Oh, nice. Yeah. She's, she's very funny, but she also had a lot of problems but the great thing she does is that she looks back on all these issues and she just laughs at herself which is really the best way to deal with those kinds of issues i listened to all three of the original foundation books by isaac asimov and dune i was listening to dune all the dune books on there i dropped off in book five which is where i dropped off last time i tried to read them but anyway <laughs> let's move on we talked about the map yes what they were doing with the map was Kanchu. this is the part i hated about it is Kanchu just says i remember that day and i'm just like what day you remember the exact day this cloth was made i guess it's possible <laughs> but it just feels so oddly specific well he said he remembers every day that's true you're right you're right or every night so we get since Stephen is dealing with this because it's more archaeological, Stephen turns into Mr. Knight and they rotate the stars in the sky. It is very difficult. And then the gods take Kanchu and 
lock them in uh, a little uh, little statue prison thing. With, Ushabti. With, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that. And, yes. <laughs> and then the next episode picks up right away where they put him away on the shelf with like seven others, maybe more. Not including Amit, but Amit they hid. Kanchu they didn't. So what did Amit do? That's so awful. Obviously something really, really, really bad. Yeah, yeah. So this episode is called The Tomb, but my subtitle of it is Indiana Jones and the Lost Tomb of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I love it. <laughs> and and this really is, you know, you the first half of the episode is Indiana Jones and the second half of the episode reminded me so much of actually a number of different things, but related to Marvel Legion. Oh. Oh, you're right. Which, I wonder if they're going to bring in Legion. I never finished watching Legion. I haven't. But either. I want to now because of seeing <laughs> this and, you know, there's a couple, there were a couple different X-Men related TV shows. Legion is one mutant X goes way back. And that's another one. And then there was the one that I, I watched like the pilot episode, but I never followed anymore. That was about kids. Yeah. Teen, I know what you're talking mutants. about. I can't remember it either. Yeah. Uh, and until the multiverse specifically, references and brings in something from those they're not part of the multiverse yet to me <laughs> so i am a concrete thinker on this the multiverse has to specifically say yes that bodybuilder painted green is canon multiverse hulk he's not yet to me well feige said that thing about Everything, even in the most farthest reaches of Marvel television and movies, is part of the MCU. Yes. And and that's what the great thing about the multiverse is. It opens up the possibility for all of those things being integrated into what we know as the MCU right now. Yes. But we're not going to be covering yet. it like that. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could just say multiverse and suddenly everything's a part of it, you know? I mean, I could write a story that says multiverse and every story that ever existed is in my multiverse. And, uh, you know, anyone can say that. But, you know, as far as concrete thinking about canon, so far, we brought in those two guys. Toby, Andrew, multiverse. We brought in Venom, <laughs> multiverse. <laughs> And I just kind of snuck him in there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. trailers don't count yet, you know. So if if it turns out that that's Professor X from the X-Men movies, then yeah, multiverse. And we'll figure out what do we do about covering that. But yeah, for right now, this is it. Legion is not a part of it yet. <laughs> so, But uh, Legion takes place in an asylum. And it deals with who a, a guy who could be, and I didn't watch past the first season, so I don't know. Or I might have watched part of second season, but they showed that maybe he was Professor X's son. Maybe. 
I need I, to finish the third season because I heard that there was a ref a strong reference to Professor X in the third season. So I saw the reference where it was kind of in a dream mode, and there was a chalkboard with a um, man, a bald man in a wheelchair. Yeah, and I, so I saw that much, but. Yeah. And the wheelchair, the wheels definitely had that X Men, perf- like like Patrick X. Stewart X. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But back to this first half is straight up Indiana Jones, and it's fun, and it's it's got the creatures, and it's got a little bit of body horror, like you would get in an Indiana Jones movie. It's Steven and Layla, so you don't have the confident, strong archaeologist hero. You have the confident Layla, strong archaeologist hero, and you have Steven, (laughs) who is the quirky sidekick. He is definitely not the Harrison Ford character in this relationship. I went more for like the Brendan Fraser mummy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Movies. I mean, that fits right in there because... You well, have one character who's a very adventury sort of person, and then you have another person who's very book smart and extremely knowledgeable about ancient Egypt. Yeah, and and honestly, I mean, the mummy is cut straight from the Indiana Jones cloth. Like, yeah, and that's one of the things that makes it work so well. Yeah, is big budget Indiana Jones adventure, pulp adventure, really is what you're talking about. Pulp yeah. adventure, the cereals, not Cheerios, but. <laughs> But the old uh, movie serials, which, I mean, that's what Indiana Jones is cut from. So, Yeah. And this episode also shows off why Kanshu is interested in Layla. Because she's very action hero-y and she knows what she's about in the, in in this uh, tomb. And Mark very much does not want Kanshu to have Layla be his next avatar. And Mark is also jealous of Stephen a little bit because he tells him, like, if you put a hand on her and Stephen and Layla kiss, which is. uh, Stephen kisses Layla. He makes the choice to kiss her. Yeah. Yeah. But if you really think about it, is it that bad? Because they both inhabit the same body. I think, yes, if you really think about it. At least that's that's the way Mark is thinking about it. Yeah, but I can also see where it's not that bad because technically Stephen is married to Layla because in some form he's also legally known as Mark. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because, I mean, they've definitely set it up with the two altars being very different people. And and Mark, you know, he punches Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever... Whatever that means, but uh, yeah, it's, I I think that what makes it not bad is that this is them trying to figure out what does this mean for us, yeah. you know, and what does it mean yeah. for the, the woman who's in love and married this altar and then the other altar over here who, I mean, she's beautiful and she's interested in all the same things that he's interested in. So why wouldn't he be interested? Yeah, so I think that Mark just needs to relax a little bit. <laughs> I think they just need a little bit of therapy to say, hey, it's not so bad that 
she's in love with both alters. But I so. don't think she is, though. I think that's part of what you find out here with with them is there's not a spark. I don't I don't think there's a spark with, with her and Steven. Oh, no. I watched it earlier today. There's definitely a spark. Is there? There is strongly. Oh, yeah. Well, remember, right that's, after- that's me talking without any romantic bone in my body. So Right. I mean, there's all the body language there. Like when, when they're about to uh, propel down the rock face or down into the tomb. There's a moment like right before. And that's when Steven kisses her. Because she, she, she's trying to put the equipment on him and she's, you know, very close to him. And she goes, oh, you smell like him. Yeah, but I, I, I think later on, though, and again, this is my memory. So that is where they're figuring things out. But when they do finally have the kiss. Uh, yeah. That's that's just me, though. By the end, she's not interested in anyone because that body was there when her father died. Find this out. Ah, that's true. We, yeah, so at, <laughs> after Haro talks to her when they're separated and Haro talks to her and makes it clear, Mark was there and Mark was involved. And, you know, Mark feels like he probably has a good, no, he definitely has a good uh, argument for not being blamed for the actual death because he was betrayed by his partner and his partner was going to kill him as well. Uh, But he, when she says, but you led him to my father. And he says, yes, I did. I love when she says, did you kill my father? And he says, of course not. And it's just like, how can you say that? But then when she says you led him and he's like, yes, I did. And and then he's talking about wanting to make sure that she's okay. And then she realizes the reason we met was because of what happened to my father. And it's one of those mm-hmm. realizations that was not something she wanted to realize. Yeah. So they find Amit in Alexander the Great. So yeah, again, and th- this is where, yeah, using real locations, real world places and history. Well, the real history, this is not the tomb of Alexander the Great is still missing. Right, right. And so this is this is great because we know who Alexander the Great is. We know that it's a missing thing and it's pretty safe to say we're probably never going to find it. <laughs> so in this fiction, this is where he is. And then they desecrate his body by reaching down his jaw. Well. <laughs> Which is not the worst thing that happens in this because you also yeah. have some of the guys, some of the guards, Haro's men, get taken by those creatures and they start preparing them for mummification. You know, they're taking the organs out. And, and again, it's very Indiana Jones-like. I was trying to tell my... My brother-in-law, because he's like, hey, I heard this one's a little more gory than the previous episodes. How do you think my son's going to handle it? And I was mm. like, well, it's, it's... It's very Indiana Jones. Definitely, yeah. It's it's gorier, but it's not... I mean, it's not like blood splattering everywhere, but 
you know, there's mummy stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's ripping off an arm of one mummy that is moving around by itself. But uh, that punchline to that was cool. Yeah, it was. I, 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 no, no pun intended, but I really wish I had intended that. But the punchline <laughs> of that creature trying to punch her with the exposed bone. And you realize that's worse. <laughs> like she yeah. cut off its hand and just gave it a worse weapon than its fist. That's awful. Yeah. And it's not just that. There's also the decomposing mummified bodies that were in the tomb in the previous scene. Oh, it is. It does get a little bit bloody because if you remember in that room before she went into that giant cavern, that this this walking talk. I don't want to say talking, walking, clicking mummy uh-huh. was killing one of the so-called deputies from episode two, who was one of Harrow's men. Right. And yeah. there was that altar, and the altar was covered in blood. So you don't see bleeding, but there is blood. And there's also that really creepy hand that was covered in like snakeskin sewn onto it and his mummified body. Ugh. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say Indiana Jones and uh uh and the um the first one. Or that well, I was reminded also of first. Temple of Doom where yeah. you had the the priest taking the heart out and stuff like that, but um I mean yeah. my answer to almost anyone who's asking me, is, is it appropriate for my kids is I will try and explain the kind of thing that's there. And then it's just, but you got to see it, you know, you got to see it for yourself because you know, your kid, like every kid is different. And even in my own family, all of my kids are different. Some handle things differently than others. And yeah, so I couldn't just say, is it okay for them? Cause I don't know. So I explained as best as I could what was in it and then moved on from there. So the big confrontation happens and Layla gets sent away to run away. Mark is in control and he's going to fight the bad guys. He's got an ax. (laughs) They've got guns. (laughs) And we get a little bit of a, a twist on the Indiana Jones thing where he's got his ax the other guys start attacking and he's like fighting and Haro just takes the gun and <laughs> shoots him, shoots him again, shoots him again. He falls into the water, lands. And this is where it was a little confusing intentionally. So lands on the ground. He's on brick in about six inches of water. His face is outside of the water. His chin is above the water. He's able to breathe if he's still alive. But then they move the camera angle to behind him and he's sinking in the water and he sinks and sinks and sinks. And you have this transition where there's like the light at the end of the tunnel, quote unquote, but it's actually a flashlight and the flashlight is being held by, and we change ratio, uh, aspect ratio on the show. We move from widescreen with everything is widescreen. And then we move to that four, three aspect ratio of a TV an old school tube TV and it's an old movie about Dr. Stephen Grant, intrepid archeologist. <laughs> yeah. That moment where Mark falls into the water, I wrote baptism moment. Cause I feel like after whatever this experience that he has now entered, he's going to come out a different person on the other side. Yeah. Or he might come out three different people. Um, or four or or four yeah yeah Uh, depending on if they follow the comics or not 
but uh, it's an asylum. It's all white. And so this, this feels to me, I mean, Moon Knight is, is all white, you know, it's, or silver or whatever. I, I feel like we're definitely, we have, we are in his head now. Yeah. And there's all these things. I, I realized the second time I watched it, the bingo caller who at <laughs> one point calls T62 or something like that. That's not a number in bingo. <laughs> there's no T in bingo. There's no column of T. But um, did he say T or G? It was T. It was T. Okay. It was definitely T. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I feel like I say that now and maybe I should pull back a little bit on the definitely, but you know, I, maybe the meme that needs to be created here is me sitting at that table with a sign that says it was T changed my mind. But, um, (laughs) that guy who was doing the bingo calling was the silent street performing statue guy from the first episode, the golden guy, yeah, the golden street performer. Yeah. And everyone is from, things we've seen already so haro's henchman who got his guts ripped out by the the creatures he's there um donna is there uh obviously layla is there haro is there all these people are there it's mark except for one person um one of the guys he the 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 guys that are there to help the the patients. Ah, I forget the name term. Anyways, uh, also the orderly. Slash the orderly. Yes, there is a woman who is drawing, and she draws a bird that has the head of of Kanchu. Kanchu, uh, and it the camera lingers on her for a moment. So I wrote Mark's mom. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't look closely at her to see if she matched up with anyone else we've already met. But she, I did not recognize her from anywhere. But I think that may be his mother. That'd be interesting. Yeah. But what we have going on here is, you know, obviously, oh, the Rubik's cube is there. So all these things from Mark and Stephen's life is showing up. There's a Moon Knight action figure, which. It looks like it has the articulation of a Marvel Legends action figure, but I'm not sure if it was actually the Moon Knight Marvel Legends action figure. I, I don't think it oh, was. Oh, it's but. it's not. <laughs> it's not even MC. It's not even Marvel. His action figure? Yeah, the action figure is actually Skeletor. <laughs> what? Modified. <laughs> modified Skeletor. Well, um, Oscar Isaac is about my age, and... If you think about it, He-Man was a huge thing in the 80s for kids. Huge thing. I'm I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm pretty sure my brother had an action figure of Skeletor and He-Man at some point. So I wouldn't be surprised if you are in a, a mental patient with some extremely difficult issues. Sometimes you might be stuck on a particular toy you had as a child as like a comfort object. Well, okay, so I... I just looked it up, and it, apparently there is – they're going to be releasing that action figure, though. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, he's got the hood like Skeletor, but he also has the mask like uh, Moon Knight. 
Okay. I mean, it's it. So it's Marvel. It's it's a Marvel Legends body for sure, and it's a Marvel Legends figure. Okay, so I'm I'm running on my iPhone the episode with the subtitles, and uh, the statue guy says B twenty two G fifteen, and I'm still running. Okay. And there is a sweet sixteen. Ah, that might yeah T sixteen. Yep. Yeah, that might be what you're referring. Well, I don't know what the number was, but it was definitely the the letter was T that he was calling, and yeah, you know, we, okay. it's not called Binto, it's Bingo. It's not Bitgo. I mean, any option that includes a T with Bingo, you're not going to be able to play that word on Wordle. It's just not yeah. going to work. It's not. A, it doesn't exist. You can't do it. Well, we are in an asylum, so. Yeah. Well, and I'm. I'm wondering: Are we going to find out something important about the letter T? You know, is is that an important detail, or is it just one more detail to put things off kilter for us, like the picture of Kanchu that she was drawing, and T sixteen. Yeah. Okay. Uh. From there, he goes. He gets. He falls out of his wheelchair. They take him to Haro, and he tries to escape. And he actually does get away from Haro by, um, fighting dirty against the orderlies and getting away. And he hides in a room where he finds a sarcophagus. Someone's in the sarcophagus. He opens the sarcophagus, and Stephen jumps out. Yay! They're reunited. And it feels so good. <laughs> and I haven't used that line in a long time on the podcast, but <laughs> here it is. Reunited. It feels so good. They keep running. They pass a room that has another sarcophagus, which is standing upward. And it's shaking like there's someone in there. And they just leave it there. That's why I think that when I watched episode three and thought that there might have been a third personality, third alter showing up that we aren't seeing there it is we're in his head and it's locked away it's pushed away back in in that sarcophagus and then they round a corner and there's some doors in front of them and the door is open and you said when you watched this episode samantha that at the very end you laughed a lot at something i'm assuming it was the hippo. The hippo and the shriek. Yeah. The shriek <laughs> because of shrieks. the hippo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, uh, it is funny. You This hippo walks in. You know, it's it's female. I, I, at least I'm assuming when I saw it the first time, I was like, oh, it, it looks like it's dressed, you know, kind of in ancient feminine clothing. I still wasn't expecting the high-pitched voice that it had. And then the scream, I was also not expecting at all. That was funny. Well, the hippo costume, or actually it's the, um, it's a, a version of an Egyptian god. I forget the name of her, but anyways. Tawaret. 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 Yeah. Okay. That sounds good to me. Um. It's a fertility goddess. Okay, that costume's actually based on the stuffed toys from the gift shop. That fits, yeah. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. 
And let's see. There's also another thing that I've noticed in this scene. Actually, just all throughout the series, there's a bit of a color coding going on with the costuming. Uh, For whoever is the main alter to lead the episode, if it's Mark, it's going to be darker colors, like a black. And if it's Steven, it's going to be a lighter color or white. And in the end of last season where Mark changes from, he lost his favorite jacket and he changes, he changes into a completely white outfit. And I was like, oh, he's going to be switching to Steven soon. Complete with hood. Complete with hood. Yeah. So in, in, I think it was this episode where they were traveling around looking for the place. uh, He actually puts the hood up and very Moon Knight-ish, you know? Yeah. All interestingly, this episode, because of what happened to Kanchu last episode, we don't actually get Moon Knight in this episode. Yeah. That's the closest but, we get unless you count the action figure. But what's interesting about this sequence, it's reversed. When you have Mark, he's wearing white. And when you have Steven, he's wearing darker colors or black. And You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But huh. with the encased third personality, there's a lot of red on that sarcophagus. I'm going to be guessing that Alter's color will be reds. All right. This could be a nice little little bet between us here because I was going to say gray. Gray. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Red makes sense, in, especially if you're thinking like, is it more of a violent emotional character? Yeah. But gray to me also makes sense because it's like in between the two. Yeah. Well, we know that, that this alternate this mysterious alternate doesn't mind stabbing people. Nope. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> I think red you is are very right about that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any other notes? Because if not, I think it is uh, time for us to wrap up this episode. Uh, yeah. Just a couple quick things. When Layla and Steven go over this ridge and they find the dig site, I was wondering if they were going to come across Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya from Dune, because it looked oh. like a scene. <laughs> and also, when they go down into the tomb, they come across a carved statue of a lioness. And I was like, that looks like one of the lionesses from The Lion King. So they made like a little nice little classic yeah. Disney animated reference there. And they can do that. Yeah. With without any fear of legal reprisals because <laughs> it's all in the family. It's all in the family, yes. And there's a very distinct feel between a Disney lion and an ancient Egyptian lion. I mean, look at the the Sphinx. I mean, you have the body of a lion there. So it was it was clearly Disney. <laughs> I did like <laughs> Yeah. D- didn't he say something about, you know, I'll just answer my riddle and <laughs> <laughs> And then at the end, when he has the, what was it called? The, the statue thing. The, oh, the, uh, Ushabti. 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 And he says, uh, and the Ushabti goes to us. (laughs) And he's just like (laughs) such a cheesy little, like just joking around. And yeah, it's, it's fun. He's fun. Uh, now we're going to see where we go from here, but they are still, they are still 
hanging this thing on Oscar Isaac. I just realized that was one of two, like, like multiples systems jokes that he had in that scene because the Ushabti goes to us. <laughs> I know he's probably including Leia and in, uh, Layla in that scene. He was. It was when she came around the corner and he's like, we won. We got it. You know, and he, he makes that joke to her. But she's wanting to confront Mark about right. what happened. But there's also a re- moment earlier where he says something about ev- when he's about to reach into Alexander the Great's mouth. And he's like, everything inside of me is telling me not to do this. And then you hear Mark say, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. the writing is good. The yes. directing is good. The special effects sometimes have been a little not a little rough, but not bad. And then Oscar Isaac, like, again, yeah, that's my final word on this episode. If Oscar well, Isaac was not Oscar Isaac, this show could fall on its face and be horrible. Easily. I mean, I feel like if the directing writing and acting is on point you can kind of get away with some bad cgi or some you can get slightly... away with a lot yeah. yeah and and especially if it if it carries you through the moment you know and so that's that's the thing is i've learned to be a little more forgiving and, and i think this is why is i'm forgiving when it carries me through the moment and if the moment is not great in one area but is in others it's okay and and maybe after the, after the fact you're just like oh what about this plot hole or this plot hole or whatever, but then you realize or me anyway I sit back and I'll say okay but it carried me through that the other stuff was good enough that I didn't care about that in the moment should I care about it now now is it fun to poke fun of it sure sure don't get me wrong but a couple plot holes does not destroy something if the other stuff is good. And, and honestly, bad acting doesn't destroy something. If everything else is good, you know, you, you, there's, you're forgiving. If, if it's good enough in the places that you appreciate, you'll forgive things that are wrong. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, that is our episode about the tomb and the friendly type. And we've got some movies coming up. There's some stuff happening in the MCU and we would like to hear from you. And so if you send an email to studio Avery at gmail.com, or if you go to our Facebook page and just look up, welcome to level seven on Facebook, send us a message in that way or call our voicemail, which I really should have had pulled up right now, but it's in our end credits. So, but yeah, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. And our voicemail number is one seven seven five five level seven. That's one seven seven five 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 three eight three five seven. Please send us a message, leave a voicemail. Let us know what you think about Dr. Strange when you see it. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about Moon Knight, next episode, we want to hear from you. And we've been trying to dig into our feedback. Didn't have any for these episodes, but it's been a busy couple of weeks, I think, for everybody. So, yeah. But uh, listener feedback does tend to, I think, 
make our episodes better. My I opinion, but agree. <laughs> prove me wrong. <laughs> no, don't <laughs> prove me wrong. Prove me right. Send us some good feedback because we get great feedback. So yeah, don't prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I would like to thank our Patreon patrons, Jeffrey, Tazel, Blessed Cheesemaker, 084, Julie, Andrew, and Dave. Thank you all so very much. Yes. And I want to say to any new listeners that have just been tuning into the podcast, hey, we're glad you're here. I told you how to contact us. We'd love to hear from you. But to all of our new listeners who have just joined us and and to all our loyal, long-term listeners, I also have the same thing to say to you. I just want to say, hi. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us, now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail by calling one seven seven five five level 7 That's one seven seven five 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 three eight three five seven, Or send us an email to studioavery at gmail.com. You can also go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback and leave us a message there. Or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7. The seven is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Welcome to Level 7, the 7 is spelled out, and become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and Godspeed. Hey, Samantha, did you see the new Thor Love and Thunder teaser trailer? Yes, and I loved it, and I there was thunder, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw where you were going. Like, I, I could see the, the wheels turning, and you said, as soon as you said, I loved it, I could see you like, <laughs> how can I work thunder into this as well? But, you know. <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it, too. One of the things I did enjoy seeing was the uh thor with the silver helmet uh when he's like growing up in a little uh thing there so you see kid thor teen thor with silver helmet and then regular thor as we know him yeah i did it make me want to see it any more than i wanted to see it no I'm still going to go see it no matter what. <laughs> this did not make me any more excited to see it because I already was. And I still expect to see the trailer with Dr. Strange. And they can still say there's a record between the shortest amount of time between the actual trailer and the movie release. The record keeps growing day by day for an MCU movie. Uh, but we will see it, I think, within... I don't know, was it, 10 days? How far away from the movie are we? Isn't it this Friday? Nine days. No, it's next weekend, I think. It's next weekend. Yeah, okay. for us, as we are speaking right now, for our listeners, maybe a little later. But Maybe a little later. Okay. Are you sure? Cause... I mean, earlier. Whatever.
Yeah, it's 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 May. It's in May. Oh yes, May six. I'm sorry. Yeah. I keep seeing so many ads, and there's so many little different so teaser trailers. Many. I keep thinking that it's like this weekend, but no. Oh, they, they remade are... Firestarter? I'm sorry. I'm looking at my Regal <laughs> Cinemas app. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually curious to see how that goes. Firestarter is a really interesting movie because it's Stephen King, or not movie, book. It's Stephen King basically doing the X-Men. And, I mean, it's just one one kid. But, yeah, and then he did a follow-up that isn't connected, but it's called The Institute. And that is definitely him doing kind of X-Men-y kind of thing. But, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Thor Love and Thunder trailer, I think, will happen with Doctor Strange. That's the full-length trailer that we'll see. But the Sweet Child of Mine music was perfect for the tone. (laughs) Uh, Watching him work out to get back in shape with those giant chains was pretty funny. (laughs) I mean, it's going to be definitely the follow-up to Thor Ragnarok. It's not going to be the follow-up to Thor the dark world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tone is very different, but I know you're not a fan of the tone switch, but I do enjoy it. I think it's a step up. Oh, it is. It's too bad. They didn't discover it with the first movie. Yeah. And it's so different. It's so different that he's a different character. Um, yeah, but definitely. that's, I mean, you want characters to grow, right? So why yeah. not let them grow to be more funny? I don't know. Well, I mean, especially after Infinity War, I mean, he was depressed for a really long time. And also, Chris Hemsworth, he is a fantastic comedian. I mean, if you watch Infinity War, when you first meet him in that scene in New Valhalla, where you discover that he's gained a lot of weight and he's just sitting around drinking beer and playing video games, what you learn is... What you see on screen is he snaps very quickly between funny and extremely depressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like and it was actually a smart move because otherwise this really strong talent was being wasted in Chris Hemsworth because you were just having him be dramatic. And I feel like in this, we're going to be seeing him, you know, pull himself up from where he was emotionally, you know, before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I. Hey. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely looking forward to it. Did this trailer make me look forward to it more? No. No. Because it didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our episode. Patreon patrons, oh. if you're still listening. Oh, you got more? Yes. Uh, there has been an announcement. Oh, the Sony. news. The, the news. news. And it can be very quick. Yeah. There will there will be a Venom 3. I'm not surprised at all. No. No surprise. And there is a new movie called El Muerto. I, <laughs> so, I'm not familiar with this character. I am not familiar with this character either. Apparently it's a wrestler who has a wrestler mask that turns him into a superpowered dude. Um so here's a write-up from N- NBC News. Known as Juan Carlos Estrada Sanchez in the comics, El Moreto is a wrestler whose powers are handed down by ancestry in the form of a mask, which, according to Marvel's official site, gives him superhuman strength. In past comic narratives, El Moreto has gotten in the ring with Spider-Man himself. 
on stage at CinemaCon, Sony Brass suggested us. Ocasio will p- portray an anti-hero on the verge of inheriting his father's power. And I mean, just Sony is doubling down on the anti-hero universe here. So you've got Venom, Morbius, uh, Madam Web, Craven the Hunter. So these are all characters from the Spider-Man universe. And they actually have dates for... Uh, Madam Web is July 7th, 2023. Um, this movie, El Moreto, El Moreto is Moreto. January 12th, 2024. Uh, Venom 3, did they have a date for that? They also announced a Ghostbusters sequel as well. Yes. Okay. To, which will be set in the same universe as the original. I don't know if they did a date for Venom 3. It, they may, may not have a date yet, but that's okay. I mean, the first two have been reasonably successful. Yeah. I mean, if it makes I mean, money, that's that's the key. So Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a great franchise, but if you look at the Tobey Maguire version of, of Venom, well, that, that, well, that just fell on bad writing. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, Craven the Hunter is January 2023. Craven the Hunter. Okay. And then, yeah, here's the thing. If you have a giant budget and make an incredible movie, like Dune, that was a risk, right? Dune could have been a failure even if it made more money than Venom. But it has a huge budget, you know? And so... Hopefully it does well because it needs a sequel because it ends in the middle. But Venom doesn't have to do as well to get a sequel because lower budget, lower expectations. So, And they do have a strong actor in the lead. Oh, definitely. Yeah, very strong act. Well, and that goes, goes back to what I was saying. If the actor is carrying it, you can forgive other stuff that's not so great. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, there's lots of good acting in it. I mean, the some of the writing's kind of, eh, but as we were, yeah, as you said, as we were saying before, it's as long as you have some good writing and directing or something strong to carry it through, it's it can still be considered good. Yeah. So that's our episode then. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And Godspeed. Good night. And Patreon patrons, special thanks to you. Why do I keep saying good night? Goodbye, everybody. It's night now <laughs> for, it, for us, us so. but for other people, they'll be listening to it. It may be daytime, so it could be. <laughs> it could be. But I think I think people will forgive you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>